Welcome to the Environmental Justice Report with Janine Moloff. I'll say it again. Welcome to the Environmental Justice Report with Janine Moloff. And I'm your host and producer, Janine Moloff. Tonight, we're going to be discussing a group of environmental activists that have been largely ignored by the mainstream media, even though what they did was very critical and the way they're about to be punished is a terrible miscarriage of justice. And I'm speaking about the Kings Bay Plowshare Seven, as they're known. They were a group of conscientious objectors protesting the U.S. Navy's ongoing use of nuclear weapons of mass destruction. These are seven peace activists. They were convicted of what I would call bogus felonies for, among other things, they spray painted a sidewalk. I'm serious. These convictions are the result of the further illegitimate, what I'll call criminalization of what should be protected First Amendment activity or the illegitimate criminalization of dissent. So let's start. And we're doing a new format tonight, too, by the way. We're going to start with this story. It's our big story. And then when we have 15 minutes later, we're going to talk about a smaller segment that I call our Enviro or Environmental Awards segment. And the question is the subject of that particular award. Are they an environmental hero, a villain, a coward, or a question mark? And then we'll recap a few things the last few minutes. So let's get into it. So the Kings Bay Plowshare 7, this is the big story. This story deals both with issues of justice, but also with issues of faith. Now, both the big story and our new Enviro Awards segment contrast the actions of of Catholics. Um, The big story dealing with humanitarian peace activists, including a priest, following the teachings of Jesus to be good stewards of humanity and the earth. And that's the Kings Bay Plowshares group. And then the actions, we're going to contrast that in the smaller segment of a specific conservative Catholic who has been, at least as far as we can tell, she's still a question mark, I would say, but who seemingly has been indifferent towards the issues of environmental justice, and that's namely Supreme Court Justice nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett. So let's get started. So if you haven't heard much about the King's Bay Plowshare 7 stories, because mainstream media just didn't care to cover it, I suppose, but they were um, they they did this protest in 2018, and it was covered uh, October 25th, 2019, a year ago roughly, um, on Democracy Now. Okay, Amy Goodman did her due diligence, and this was on the story was October 25th, 2019. The headline is Kings Bay Plowshare Seven Found Guilty of Conspiracy at Naval Base Housing Nuclear Arsenal. So this was in Georgia, and there was a federal grand jury, and they met, and they found seven Catholic peace activists, they found them guilty of three felony counts and then one misdemeanor charge. And this was because they broke into the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base on April 4th, 2018. Now, here's the first question. How lax and inadequate was the security on a naval base that houses these massive nuclear warheads that these seven peace activists, most are elderly, were able to break in so easily. I'd like to know. So that's one. So, and these activists, they refer to themselves as the Kings Bay Plowshares Seven. And the reason they refer to themselves by plowshares is because they're referring to that biblical uh, directive to turn, you know, swords into plowshares. And they entered the base and. You know, according to the prosecutor, they were armed. 
They were armed all right with hammers, crime scene tape, baby bottles containing their own blood, and then their own citizen's indictment where they charged the U.S. government with crimes against peace. Now, once again, my question is, their alleged weapons were hammers, crime scene tape, baby bottles of their own blood, a little gross, crime scene tape, and a citizen's indictment. How is this an act of terrorism? I, I, I don't understand. But this home, this base is home to at least six nuclear ballistic missile submarines. Each one of those submarines carries 20 Trident thermonuclear weapons. Okay? So do the math. There's six submarines. Each carries 20. So 120 thermonuclear weapons, and these seven elderly people were able to break into the naval base that easily? You know, it seems to me the person that should be on trial is whoever was in charge of that base, among others. So they call themselves, again, the, the Kings Bay Plowshares 7, and that's because they're following, and I'm not the most biblically known person, but um, biblically, uh, I don't know the Bible very well, but here's the thing. They claimed they were following the prophet Isaiah's command to, quote, beat swords into plowshares, end quote. So here's where the trial gets even worse. They were barred as defendants from, one, citing their religious motivation as a rationale and an explanation for their trespass. And they were also forbidden from, cite, from basically using what's called a necessity defense. In other words, that yes, they broke a necessity defense basically says, you admit, yes, you broke a law, but it was either an unjust law or a law that protected something so dangerous to society that for goodness sake, you had to do that. All right, so for instance, if you had a neighbor that you knew was abusing a child and the child was near death, you broke and entered into their apartment to rescue the child. You would use a necessity defense, all right? The judge said, no, thank you. And again, they were saying their law-breaking was necessary to prevent a nuclear war. The activist um, will be sentenced soon, actually. They were going to be sentenced back in 2019, and what happened was COVID happened. And so now they're looking for sentencing, I believe, October 15th. They face more than 20 years in prison. I don't know where the justice is for that, for spray painting and reading an indictment. And, yes, trespassing. So Amy Goodman went over this. And one of the things these activists did, they, they staged this, this event on April 4, 2018, which also coincided with the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. Okay, and the activists um, basically, you know, they were trying to bring attention to this very dangerous situation. So Bill Quigley, who is the attorney for the Kings Bay Plowshare 7, um, was on Amy Goodman's Democracy Now! And he, uh, he explained what happened. He said the jury, according to the attorney, Bill Quigley, the jury was was not was forbidden. They were not allowed to hear that the submarines, these nuclear weapon submarines that are stationed at Kings Bay, have approximately 3,800 times more destructive power than the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima. That these six submarines have enough 
nuclear power between all of them stationed at King's Bay. It's enough power to, quote, destroy life on Earth as we know it, end quote. And so, of course, the King's Bay 7 didn't get a fair trial. So, you know, the King's Bay 7, they, you know, they tried prayer. They tried direct action. Finally, they decided they had to do this, this action. And so Amy Goodman also discussed this with plowshares activists, one of them named Martha Hennessy. And to quote Martha Hennessy, she said, quote, the weapons are still there. The treaties are being knocked down one after the next, but we are called to keep trying and we will do this together and we have no other choice. Thank you so much. And Amy Goodman pointed out that Martha Hennessy is also the granddaughter of Dorothy Day, who was the founder of the Catholic worker movement. So, you know, once again, these activists were forbidden from talking about their faith as a basic, a, a, one of the circumstances leading to this action. And they were forbidden to use the necessity defense, which again, I'll admit you would, when you use this, excuse me, when you use the necessity defense, you're saying, yes, I broke this law, but I broke this law because there was a greater danger at stake here. And because of that, I broke this law to save somebody else. And it's been used successfully in many criminal cases. And frankly, as far as I'm concerned, no prosecutor or judge has the right to deny it, but they did. So now we're going to talk about some of these, these activists, all right? One of them is a Catholic priest, okay? And this was an article I took from their actual website, and written by Patrick O'Neill. And they're talking about the Reverend Stephen Kelly, who is a Jesuit priest. And he is, he's been, we'll see, this was written in September. He's been in jail, in a South Georgia jail, for over 850 days. Okay? And basically, you know, once again, what happened here, all of them were arrested and charged with three felonies and misdemeanor trespassing. And the U.S. attorney was basically screaming about the vandalism, all right? I, I don't know of any case of vandalism that warrants 20 years in jail. I truly don't. Yes, the, I, I saw the pictures, some graffiti. You can cover it up. It's not a big deal. Um, and the Kelly, Father Kelly was already on probation from a misdemeanor conviction in 2017. And that's when he protested at another naval base, Kitsap Bangor, Kit, naval base called Kitsap Bangor. It's in Washington. Again, it's the home of more Trident submarines. He was denied bail, and he is still in the Glynn County Detention Center in Brunswick, Georgia. And that's for two nonviolent crimes of, of conscience. So Kelly's 71 years old. He's been basically kept in isolation and in solitary. It's a windowless jail. He rarely sees sunlight. It's enough to drive anybody insane, I'd say. And because Father Kelly really believes in the principles that he's lived by, you know, when you're in prison, you actually can be forced. It's one of the ways that slavery still exists in this nation so that Yes, we outlawed slavery, but except in cases of lawful incarceration. So they can force you to work, but Kelly refused. And he said that basically he's refusing to work because he will not support the racist prison industrial complex. 
Well, that non that refusal has had some consequences. Um, he spent more than six years of his life overall in the, what they call the segregated housing unit, which is solitary confinement. Now, keep in mind, Amnesty International has called out solitary confinement as not only a human rights violation, but also against international law. But Kelly is just basically keeping his faith quietly. Um, he leads a Bible study. He doesn't really complain, and uh, he gets phone calls to his co-defendants and friends. And, you know, he was even before he was put in prison, he was asked to deliver a homily in 2016 for the funeral of his mentor and fellow Jesuit priest, Reverend Daniel Berrigan. And, you know, once again, in that, he called, Kelly called for what he called a break with funeral convention. And he directed his opening comments at the funeral for Reverend Berrigan, who was also an anti-nuclear activist, directly at the FBI that was basically hounding him like a bunch of goons, all right? To quote Father Kelly, quote, at this funeral, we may let members of the FBI assigned here today validate that it is Daniel Berrigan's funeral mass of the resurrection so they can complete and perhaps close their files, end quote, and the crowd sort of roared. Father Kelly went on, quote, are we to remain in a catatonic stupor, asleep, drunk, unconscious, or in a flatlined existence? Is this the United States of amnesia? Will we arrive at perdition, dominion of death, with our freedom never used, intact? What good is it if it is, what good is it if paralyzed in fear, liberated but not loving, end quote. And then Father Kelly also said of Berrigan, that Berrigan, quote, risked the retaliation of those beholden to death's way. They touched the idol of the state. Inspired, they and other draft board raiders retrieved the place and preeminence of the conscientious objector as imitating the love of Christ, averred by Vatican II's godium espes, but kept as secret in local pastoral settings, end quote. Now, most Jesuits, Jesuit priests like Father Kelly, they either write books, they teach, they maybe have, they maybe pastor at a parish. Kelly's primary purpose in life, according to him, is to, quote, resist nuclear weapons and war by putting his body on the line, end quote. And what basically the Kings Bay Plowshare activists have said on their website in this article is that after two years of incarceration, after Father Kelly's been incarcerated for two years, it's received almost no media attention. And even though Father Kelly comes from the same religious community as Pope Francis, again, there is no effort by, the, by his fellow Jesuits to support Kelly or promote his work for peace. And that is tragic. And so Kelly was quoted, he said, I'm in this for community and cross. And the writer of this, Patrick O'Neill, who is also a co-founder of the Father Charlie Mulholland Catholic Worker House in Garner, North Carolina, um, and he's also scheduled to be sentenced with Kelly on October 15th, or it was October 15th, he said, quote, when I read the words of Jesus, who said, pick up your cross and follow me, quote, end quote, is basically an abstract passage. When Kelly talks about the cross, he picks it up, end quote. And so, you know, what we've talked about is this horrible um, miscarriage of justice. These people have protested. They're guilty of, well, trespass. And they spray painted some graffiti. 
And then they read an indictment and they insulted the powers that be. And they dared, like Julian Assange and, and, um, and Chelsea Manning, to basically tell the truth and blow the whistle on what our government's been doing in our name. So now the Kings Bay Plowshare 7 does have a global petition to drop the charges. And it was delivered to to DOJ, Department of Justice. They'll sign it if you want. But I'm just going to read this to you, okay? This is an urgent request to distinguished citizens of the world, including Archbishop Desmond Tutu, other Nobel laureates, and many others by signing our global petition to dismiss all charges against the Kings Bay Plowshare 7. They face, in this instance, 25 years in prison for exposing illegal and immoral nuclear weapons that threaten all life on Earth. I'm going to read that again. They face 25 years in prison for exposing illegal and immoral nuclear weapons that threaten all life on Earth. Most Americans do not understand. We are violating treaties that the U.S. has signed on, and we're violating international law by holding on to these nuclear weapons in such great amount. Ah. Sorry about that. <laughs> I dropped the phone. All right. So I'm going to go on. The seven nonviolently and symbolically disarmed the Trident nuclear submarine base at Kings Bay, Georgia, on April 4th, 2018, the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. This petition is also a plea for all of for us all to be involved in rebuilding the anti-nuclear weapons movement that helped disarm the world's nuclear arsenals from 90,000 down to 15,000 weapons in the 1980s. The Kings Bay uh, Plowshare 7, the KBP7 trials, expected to begin this summer in Georgia. Time is short. Please sign the petition, um, forward this on, on social media, and so on. And they sent this to the Attorney General, William Barr. Of course, it's, it's going to do no good. But here's the, other, the rest of the petition. Quote, the Kings Bay Plowshare 7 are facing a federal trial and a 25-year prison term for having confronted a system in which nuclear weapons that can destroy all creation are accepted as a normal, even inevitable part of life. This threat and the lack of public outrage over it compelled seven principled activists, and I'm going to read their names, Elizabeth McAllister, Stephen Kelly, S.J., Martha Hennessy, Claire Grady, Patrick O'Neill, Mark Colville, and Carmen Trotta. So this threat and the lack of public outrage over it compelled seven principled activists to enter Naval Station Kings Bay Submarine Base in Georgia on the 50th anniversary of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Kings Bay is home port to six U.S. nuclear ballistic missile submarines carrying hundreds of nuclear weapons many of which have up to 30 times the explosive power of the bomb that destroyed the Japanese city of Hiroshima in 1945. That means 30 times each bomb. Following the prophet Isaiah's biblical command to beat swords into plowshares, the seven were also acting legally to uphold anti-nuclear treaties as the supreme law of the land according to the U.S. Constitution, international law manifested in the U.N. Charter, and the Nuremberg Principles. By their actions at Kings Bay, they sought to draw attention to the urgency of withdrawing consent and dismantling what Dr. King called the triple evils of racism, excessive materialism, and militarism. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) 
The KB7's action statement reads, quote, nuclear weapons eviscerate the role, I'll start again, nuclear weapons eviscerate the rule of law, enforce white supremacy, perpetuate endless war and environmental destruction, and ensure impunity for all manner of crimes against humanity, Dr. King said. The, the, I'm sorry, and impunity for all manners of, let me do this again. I'm tired. Quote, nuclear weapons eviscerate the rule of law, enforce white supremacy, perpetuate endless war and environmental destruction, and ensure impunity for all manners of, manner of crimes against humanity. Dr. King said, quote, the ultimate logic of racism is genocide, end quote. We say, quote, the ultimate logic of trident is omnicide, which means destroying everything. A just and peaceful world is possible when we join, when we join prayers with action, swords into plowshares. We who share the moral vision of the Kings Bay Plowshare 7 proclaim our support for the courage and sustained sacrifice and call for the immediate dismissal of all charges against them. The defendants invite us to act creatively. They invite us to join global coalitions working to promote government's adherence to and full implementation of the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. They also invite us to participate in campaigns for divestment from nuclear weapons as complementary efforts toward the realization of a world free of nuclear weapons, sincerely. Again, we are in violation of that treaty. These activists are actually obeying the law. It's the prosecutor and the judge and the U.S. Navy and the Department of Justice that's breaking the law in this case. Notable signers of this treaty around the world, there's so many, I can't list them all, among which Robert Aldridge, who is a former design engineer for Lockheed, so he knows these bombs, editor of the Trident Resistors Handbook. We have Harold W. Atridge, Sterling Professor of Divinity, Dean of the Yale Divinity School. We have John Bach, Quaker Chaplain, Harvard University. We have the Reverend Dr. William Barber, the Poor People's Campaign co-leader. Medea Benjamin, co-founder, Code Pink co-founder. We have Professor Francis Boyle, author and professor of international law at the University of Illinois College of Law. We have Dr. Helen Caldicott. Australian physician, author, and anti-nuclear advocate, International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War. Noam Chomsky, author, linguist, historian. He needs no further anything. Ben Cohen, co-founder of Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream. Jerry Condon, president of Veterans for Peace. We have Daniel Ellsberg, the whistleblower, Pentagon Papers. We have Beatrice Finn, Nobel Peace Laureate, executive director of ICANN, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. We have Commander Robert D. Green, Royal Navy retired, author of Security Without Nuclear Deterrence, co-director of Disarmament and Security Center, New Zealand. We have Bishop Thomas Gumbleton, Archdiocese of Detroit. We have William D. Harton, director of the Arms and Security Project at the Center for International Policy. We have Stanley Howard, Divinity School, Professor Emeritus of Divinity and Law. Dr. Iron Helfen, two-time Nobel Peace Laureate on behalf of International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War, and ICANN, the International Campaign for the Abolition of Nuclear Weapons. We can go on and on, but you get the idea. Ray McGovern, CIA analyst and activist for 27 years. Michael Moore, the filmmaker. Martin Sheen, the actor. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Nobel Peace Prize recipient outspoken critic of apartheid, and the first black Anglican Archbishop of South Africa. We have Frank Velgara, 
NYC, VAK Solidarity Pro Libertad, Jericho Project. The VAK situation is another instance where our Navy has polluted with nuclear uh, waste the, um, the land there. That's another story. So let's go a little further now. Look at Kings Bay. What is their, what's their point? What's their mission? Well, they are determined to fight what, they, what Dr. King called, quote, the giant triplets of racism, extreme militar- materialism, and militarism. And I can keep reading this, but let's go to the indictment of Trident. All right, and then we're going to go into this a little more. So here's the indictment as they read it at the nuclear base. Quote, Kings Bay Plowshares Plaintiff versus United States of America Defendant. Here's the indictment of Trident. Quote, today, through our nonviolent action, we, Kings Bay Plowshares, indict the U.S. government, President Donald Trump, Kings Bay Base Commander Brian Lapine, the nuclear triad, and specifically the Trident Nuclear Program. Whereas this program is an ongoing criminal endeavor in violation of international treaty law binding on the United States under the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution, Article 6, Section 2. This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the constitutional laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. Whereas the United States is bound by the United Nations Charter, ratified and signed in 1945, its preamble affirms that its purpose is to, quote, save future generations from the scourge of war, end quote. It directs that all nations shall refrain from the use of force against another nation. Article 2 regards the threat to use nuclear weapons as ongoing international criminal activity. Whereas the Nuremberg Principles, also promulgated in 1945, primarily by the U.S., prohibit crimes against peace, crimes against humanity, war crimes, and genocide. They render nuclear weapon systems prohibited illegal and criminal under all circumstances and for any reason. Whereas the U.S. government is obligated as well as by the non-proliferation treaty in force since 1970 that requires the signers to pursue negotiations in good faith and to eliminate nuclear weapons at an early date. The U.S. government is also obligated by the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty, which prohibits full-scale nuclear explosions. Whereas the members of the United Nations are currently negotiating a treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons leading towards their total elimination. Therefore, the work being done at Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base violates all these agreements and is thus criminal. Specifically, the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base refits and maintains submarines which carry Trident D-5 nuclear missiles. The Trident D-5 is a submarine-launched ballistic missile built by Lockheed Martin. The Navy currently operates 14 Ohio-class submarines, Six have their home port at Kings Bay. Each submarine carries the capacity to cause devastation equivalent to 600 of the nuclear attacks on Hiroshima, Japan. Thus, the six tridents maintained at Kings Bay have the capacity to cause the devastation of 3,600 Hiroshima-scale attacks. From the initial mineral mining through testing, storage, and dumping, the production and maintenance of these weapons harms human beings destroys the environment, and violates international and God's law. Moreover, each day this program steals from all in our nation and world by its theft of much-needed resources. 
nor is the Navy or the nation retreating from this violation of international law. The Navy is currently preparing to spend at least $100.2 billion of the public's money on a new class of 12 Trident ballistic missile submarines to replace the current Trident submarines. Again, these continuing violations of treaty law, I'm sorry, against these continuing violations of treaty law, we assert our right and duty to civil resistance against nuclear weapons. Furthermore, we affirm as crucial the human right to be free from these crimes. The Nuremberg Principles not only prohibit such crimes, but oblige those of us aware of the crime to act against it. Quote, complicity in the commission of a crime against peace, a war crime, or a crime against humanity is a crime under international law. End quote. The United Nations Charter further reinforced this principle made a part of the binding international law. Similarly, the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, to which the United States is a signatory, makes it clear that private individuals can be held responsible for acts of genocide. The ongoing building and maintenance of Trident submarines and ballistic missile systems constitute war crimes that can and should be investigated and prosecuted by judicial authorities at all levels. As citizens, we are required by international law to denounce and resist known crimes. For the sake of the whole human family threatened by nuclear weapons and for the sake of our planet Earth, which is abused and violated, we indict the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base and all government officials, agencies, and contractors as responsible for perpetuating these war crimes, end quote. The reason I read that entire indictment is so that the listeners out there can know these protesters did their homework. They knew what the law actually said. Subsequently, the federal prosecutor and the judge had to shut them down. They had to deny them that, the right to a necessity defense. I can tell you right now what's happening. That federal prosecutor and that judge are determined, and they got away with it because they're going to, they're going to actually um, sentence these people. They, they basically made sure that the only thing that was considered during this trial was the minor acts of civil disobedience, the fact that these people broke in. They broke and entered. Okay, fine. They trespassed. They spray-painted some graffiti, and they read this indictment. That's it. But if the prosecutor and the judge had allowed a legitimate defense, which would have included the necessity defense, all of this would have come out, including the fact that our government is violating multiple treaties that we've signed on. We're violating the Nuremberg Principles. We're violating the UN Charter. We, basically, our government and the U.S. Navy, through our government, is violating multiple laws. So, of course, that judge and prosecutor couldn't have let that indictment come into court. No way, no how. And so they suppressed it. Now, to make matters worse, the mainstream media ignored this story for the most part. They did a few little stories. And so now we have Father Kelly, who's been sitting in a jail cell. He's 71 years old because he had a prior conviction on a misdemeanor. On a misdemeanor. This is ridiculous. You know, how many people understand that this is so very dangerous? Once again, I'm... These people are facing 25 years in prison. Again, I'll read it. They, 
they called them felonies, but what their actions were is they got into the naval base. Again, how lax was security that these elderly people, seven of them, were able to get into the base? That's one. Then they they had some babies' bottles with their own blood in it that they squirted around. I saw it on the picture. They didn't squirt it on any person. They squirted it on the sidewalk. They had some crime scene tape, and then they spray-painted some graffiti. That's it. And then they read their indictment. I would venture to say that the real reason they are facing possibly 25 years in jail has nothing to do with the graffiti and everything to do with this indictment. Because this indictment is legally correct. And the federal government can't afford anybody looking at them too closely. And as much fun, again, it is on the Trump administration, but the Obama administration before them wasn't too good on this either. You know, let's let's be honest about this. All right. The fact that Lockheed Martin, which is a big corporation, is involved. This is about big money. This is about the fact that these people dared to speak truth to power. Think about what I'm saying, how utterly absurd it is. I'm going to repeat it one more time. These seven elderly people somehow got into the naval base, which I assume is fortified. And so they trespassed. And then they had baby bottles filled with their own blood. They didn't actually attack anybody with the blood. They squirted it on the sidewalk. I saw the picture on the sidewalk and on the signs they had. They put up some crime scene tape, uh, and they spray-painted some graffiti on the sidewalk. That's pretty much it. And then they read this damning indictment. Now they're facing 25 years in prison. And for some of them, many of them are older, it would be a death sentence. It's not because of what they were charged with. And again, I question those felonies. It was because of this indictment because they cited their legal sources. And so this particular indictment that they wrote has the names of the Kings Bay 7 as well as their numbers. Because in prison, you are not a person. You are a number. Carmen Trotta, 015636. Claire Grady, 015632. Patrick O'Neill, 015637. Elizabeth McAllister, 0156. Stephen Kelly, 015634. Martha Hennessy, 015631. And Mark Caldwell, 015635. Keep in mind this miscarriage of justice. Kyle Rittenhouse murdered two people. He traveled across state borders with the express purpose of killing people that he thought were somehow Antifa, whatever. And DOJ is... And DHS is basically being told to play it down. These seven people did nothing violent, and they're facing 25 years in prison. So, again, they have a fact sheet here. And you have to remember, the felonies that they're charged with, we've talked in this program and also on the Justice Report on Sunday about how groups like ALEC, which is the American Legislative Exchange Council, have ghostwritten these laws where they've taken actions that, by right would only be misdemeanors and, and made them into felonies, absurd things, all right? So that's part of it, too. So they have this fact, um, this fact sheet, too. So basically, each Trident missile 
is 130,000 pounds. It can travel 20,000 feet per second, and this is according to the Navy. Each missile costs $30 million. That's what this is about, too. The Trident II D-5 missile is deployed aboard U.S. Navy Ohio-class submarines and Royal Navy Vanguard-class. There's a three-stage ballistic missile, and it can travel about 4,000 nautical miles, and it carries multiple independently targeted reentry bodies. According to the fact sheet, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists describes the weapon, and to quote them, to quote the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, quote, the Trident D-5s carry three types of warheads, the 100 kiloton W76 slash MK4, the 100 kiloton W761 slash MK4A, and the 455 kiloton W88 MK5 warhead, the highest yield ballistic missile warhead in the U.S. arsenal, end quote. The Navy's modernizing their Trident nuclear missiles. Um, they want to make sure that the service life extends 25 more years aboard our nuclear submarines. Um, a 44-foot-long submarine um, usually lasts about 25 years. The missiles are planned as a baseline weapon for what they call the Ohio Replacement Plan Ballistic Missile Submarine, uh, and that platform is supposed to serve into the 2080s if we get there. So the Navy wants to extend this, all right? Um, and once again, Trident submarines are 560 feet in length and nearly, or basically, a Trident submarine is the length of basically two football fields. And each submarine can carry 24 what they call submarine launch ballistic missiles. And, um, you know, once again, this is enough to blow up the world. Okay? So... There's six Tridents that are at Kings Bay, all right? And they're likely to be used first if there was ever a nuclear attack. Um, the D-5 missile can travel over 1,370 miles in less than 13 minutes, which allows our, our, our government to strike anywhere on the planet within 15 minutes. You don't think that if we sent a missile, say, to Russia or China, they wouldn't send one back. It wouldn't start a nuclear Armageddon. This is insanity. But here's the thing. The new Tridents will cost about $122.3 billion. Production costs should run about $8.2 billion for the first sub, which will arrive in 2028, and about $6.5 billion for the remaining 11. Money, money, money. Okay, so we're dealing with this situation, all right? Um, I hope I was able to provide some enlightenment about what's about to happen to the Kings Bay 7. They are facing their sentencing hearing on October 15th. And I would urge everybody to send, to look up the story, to look up the Kings Bay 7 on their website and then send your voice your complaints to that prosecutor, to that judge, to DOJ. This is one of the worst miscarriages of justice I've ever heard. 
again, and, and just to overcharge people like this, it, it's, it's absurd. But they wanted to shut them up. That's what this is about. And we can't allow that. These people are not only fighting for their own beliefs, they're fighting for our children, our grandchildren, so that there is a world for them to grow up in. Because, again, think about that last statistic. This is truly frightening. Okay? The D-5 missile alone, I'll repeat it, can travel over 1,370 miles in less than 13 minutes, which basically can allow the United States to send a nuclear strike anywhere on this within 15 minutes. And again, the question is, if we do that, do you honestly believe that if we send a nu- if we try to nuke China or Russia, that they won't fire back, that their satellites won't see our bomb? And then you have a nuclear Armageddon from which nobody really survives. Again, this is insanity. Furthermore, the Kings Bay 7 are correct. Our, our U.S. Navy, our government is breaking the law. They are in violation of multiple treaties that the U.S. is a signatory. And we need to hold these politicians and the Pentagon and the Joint, the joint Chiefs, we need to hold all of them legally and criminally accountable, period. They were too busy trying to crucify Chelsea Manning when he served or she served, rather. But this, there's no accountability. Every officer in the U.S. Navy and the Joint Chiefs who were involved in this needs to be criminally charged and prosecuted. So there we have our good guys, our heroes, the Kings Bay 7, Kings Bay Plowshare 7. They are true heroes. Now I'm going to discuss, this is our smaller story. And it's a smaller story because it's about a much smaller person, namely SCOTUS nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett. And in terms, I'm sure that she is legally probably very brilliant. Unfortunately, when it comes to doing the right thing, when it comes to true justice, I think, yes, it's a smaller story to reflect a much smaller person. How will her presence on on the court reflect on environmental cases, okay? Seriously. And here she, she is a conservative Catholic, but apparently she doesn't really have the same uh, moral concerns about our environment as a Kings Bay 7, Kings Bay Plowshare 7. But we don't know much about her, truth in all fairness, okay? She's only been on the bench three years on the circuit court. But the idea that she's being nominated to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this could create a majority that could really cause some problems. And not just for environmental cases, but since this is the Environmental Justice Report, that's what we're really focusing on is environmental justice. Now, she would actually help sink in, help guarantee a conservative supermajority on the Supreme Court. And that could cripple a lot of environmental laws on the books. Okay. It would lead to a 6-3 conservative majority. So no matter who's president, um, if the president want to pursue aggressive climate rules, a lot of experts are saying it would be problematic. Now, I'm hearing that excuse, all right? Truth be told, it takes a long time for a case to get to the Supreme Court. That's one. And 
you know, a lot of these politicians, they like to hedge their bet and go, well, if we take this to court and eventually get to the Supreme Court, if they accept the case, then they're just going to throw it out. So what? It takes years for a case to hit the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court has to decide if they even want to hear the case. I say that we need to hold the Democrats accountable and make them pursue honest environmental policies that protect all of us. So I don't want to hear the excuses. But let's look at Judge um, Judge Barrett. Okay. Now, Barrett clerked under Scalia. And we know Scalia not only was conservative, Scalia was infamous for saying the Constitution is not a living document. It's dead, dead, dead. Okay. And then Scalia would use these, albeit some people call brilliant, but tortuous arguments to basically justify taking rights away, all right? And he called it judicial constraint, except it wasn't. So she does hold most likely a narrow view on what's called who has legal standing to file a lawsuit. And when you go and you file a lawsuit, whether it's in federal court or the Supreme Court, there's a thing called do you have standing? In other words, will the court accept it? Do you have a right to sue? And there's some criterion that go along with that. But there's two opinions from, well, I'll just call her Judge Amy, that hints at how she might rule on this. All right? So these were two majority opinions that Barrett wrote on the Seventh Circuit. Seventh Circuit affects Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin. And these were, this hints at her view on water law and legal standing. We know the Republicans, especially under the tutelage of Dick Cheney, want to destroy the Clean Water Act. They, they just don't want it there, okay? And so in June 2018, Judge Amy signed an opinion, and it reversed an earlier ruling. And the earlier ruling said that 13 acres of wetlands in Illinois fell under the Clean Water Act protections, okay? And she said, no, they don't. She wrote the majority opinion, and she said that this citizen group that came out of Chicago doesn't have legal standing. If you don't have legal standing, then she's basically saying, you don't have a right to complain or sue. Bye. There's the door. Doesn't look good. All right? It really doesn't. And then, you know, when you compare that to Ginsburg, it, please, it's not even not even worth talking about. Now, we also have a situation, I can't find that other case, but here's some upcoming cases where Judge Barrett could destroy environmental safeguards on what I'll call the altar, the false idol of judicial constraint. Okay, so there's some, there's some uh, cases that are being scheduled for oral arguments coming up, you know, this, uh, this month. Texas versus New Mexico. And that is a case about water evaporation. It dates back to the 1960s. It's scheduled for October 5th. And then on November 2nd, there's going to be a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit between the Sierra Club and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Series, and that's about endangered species. Now, the thing is, you have also the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a leading international group of climate scientists. When you consider their, they issued a report in 2018. It's considered a landmark report. And it basically said that as humans, we have until 2030 
It's less than 10 years from now. We have to get global emissions under control and keep temperatures from rising more than 1.5 degrees Celsius beyond pre-industrial levels. We have till 2030. Otherwise, we're going to pass a threshold where climate change is going to get far worse. If you think the fires and the crazy storms are bad now, just wait. Um, and to lose Justice Ginsburg now is just really horrible. Pat Parenteau, University of Vermont environmental law professor, said, quote, it's impossible to overstate the significance of this moment in time. The loss of Ginsburg is a massive blow to environmental protection. Um, so, you know, and, and this this professor all added that, you know, environmental lawyers, you know, they're, they're always in this catch-22, quote, you always have to try to figure out how you can craft whatever policy you're working on with an eye to, do I have five votes? How am I going to get five votes? Okay. And then we have Sambhav Sankar, who's an earth justice attorney. Um, and he's worried that the court's going to lose its political independence once, you know, as he says, humanity faces an existential threat in climate change. Um, and to quote Sankar, quote, we are seeing across the judiciary a willingness to poke around in science that is sometimes really right, sometimes really wrong, but it's really driven in a partisan way right now, okay, end quote. So now we have a story, and this is, um, uh, again, written by Sam Sankar and Keith Rushing. And um, they talk about Judge Amy once again. And they say judge, judges really matter for the environment, okay, because they recognize the government's uh, responsibility to protect not only the environment but public lands for all people and they also said that we need justices who know the difference between science and politics and I don't know if Judge Amy does you know you say that you can't discriminate against her because of her religious beliefs however when her religious beliefs cloud her judgment on what is happening then yes I think we do need to consider it it's not discrimination it's common sense Third Justice is really worried about Judge Barrett's record. Part of it's because her record is so small, so scant. She's only been on the bench three years, that it's really impossible to judge her. And maybe that's why she was picked. And then the Senate's plan is to rush her confirmation. So once again, you can't really look into her background. There's no time. They also said that she really appears willing, um, according to EE News Greenwire, to undermine environmental laws by reviving what's called the non-delegation doctrine. i got to get into this fast. So for 80 years, SCOTUS rulings, have, the non-delegation doctrine is basically saying Congress can't engage in the daily workings of federal regulation. And Congress, but Congress is allowed, they have to be allowed to tell agencies like the EPA kind of determine the details of the environmental laws. But in recent years, a lot of right-wing judges want to overturn these Long-established precedents. How is that not judicial? How is a judicial constraint? It's not. And they want to overturn these precedents because it would benefit powerful corporate interests, which would, you know, if Congress had to look at every environmental law and tell each agency how they're supposed to behave, they'd never get anything. That would bog it down, and that, I believe, is the intent. Um, and then, you know, this would really hurt a lot of communities, especially communities of color, that are the most victimized from pollution and climate change. But I also think Barrett's record um, really demonstrates that she is willing to interpret environmental laws 
like the Clean Water Act, very narrowly in favor of industrial interests, means the letter of the law. So you can get around actually obeying the law by just kind of writing something so it's just within there, okay? It's kind of, when you interpret something narrowly, it's, it's kind of like when it, you tell a child, okay, you can't, you can only have two cookies for dinner. And the kid interprets it as, okay. So instead of taking two normal-sized cookies, they find one that's the size of five cookies and the one that's the size of ten cookies, they see, I only took two cookies. So in 2018, and this was from Law Justia in the federal appellate court, Judge Amy joined an opinion ruling the Army Corps of Engineers didn't have any authority to protect a wetland from destruction by a developmental firm. Um, and so, again, one other thing you've got to remember, Barrett clerked for Scalia. Scalia, according to this, was, quote, the lead architect of doctrines that made it increasingly difficult for citizens to use the courts to vindicate their, their legal rights. End quote. So Scalia believed that it was too easy for people to go to court or advocacy groups. So he, he really wanted to push to make it difficult to actually sue for your rights uh, or to challenge environmental actions. So, you know, judges matter when it comes to these environmental issues. They just do. And Judge Barrett, even though she has a very scant um, background as a judge. It looks like when a push comes to shove, she's going to favor corporate interests over the environment each and every time. You know, aside from the fact that I think it's absolutely absurd that a judge with only three years of experience is suddenly pushed to the Supreme Court, the fact is she's been no friend of the environment. And now we go back to the original argument. We have a case, you, you know, you could say we have a case of two sets of Catholics. You have the Kings Bay Plowshare Seven who are really behaving in the true, the true sense of what Jesus preached. And they not only learn the lessons, they live it. And even if it means their own detriment, they are to be honored, not, not legally crucified. And that's what the prosecutor, the DOJ, and that federal judge is doing. They are legally crucifying the Kings Bay Plowshare 7. I, I won't mince words here. That's what it is. The federal court, the federal judge, the prosecutor involved in the Kings Bay Plowshares Court 7 case, they are crucifying these Catholics of conscience. Period. And then you have Judge Amy Coney Barrett who pretends to be a good Christian. And her version, you know, again, women are considered helpmeets. They are supposed to do what the men in their lives tell them to do. And it seems like that is a theology that is way overly concerned with sex and not enough with issues of true morality, such as how do we save this planet, such as do we have a do big corporate interests have the right to not only decimate the environment, but also poison the neighborhoods where majority of communities of color and low-income people live? Do they have the right to just dump toxins and, and basically uh, uh, synthetic poisons onto those communities 
And I would say, no, they do not. So this is the beginning of our new format. Uh, there will be times when we have a big story and it takes up the full hour. There will be other times when we follow this format where we have the big story followed by our heroes, villains, cowards, and question mark. And when it comes to gems, Judge Amy, Amy Coney Barrett, she hasn't proven herself to be a villain yet. She doesn't have enough of a track record, in all fairness. She's certainly no hero. So the question is, is she an environmental coward or a question mark? Waiting to see who can push her the hardest. We'll see. I pray that she does not gain access to the SCOTUS. She would be vile. All right? But right now, we have to do what we have to do. Once again, we have hypocrites like Amy Coney Barrett who preach Christianity, but once again, side with the criminals of corporate that dump poisons into the Amazon, that dump poisons into poor neighborhoods of color and get away with it. All the while, she holds her head up high at church. And then we have people, good people, like the Kings Bay Plowshare Seven, who truly live according to what Christ preached, who truly live according to what the Torah preached in Judaism. And we have corporate and the federal government acting as their agent, legally crucifying the Kings Bay Plowshare Seven. There is no other way to put it. So at the end of the show, all I can say is, God bless Bay Plowshare 7. We are truly blessed to have them in the environmental movement. And I will see you all next Thursday on the Environmental Justice Report with Janine Moloff. I thank you for tuning in. Good night and God bless.